By now, a few of you have heard this story, at least those who are friends, family, and people in the community. For those who haven't, consider this the best introduction to the story that you won't get anywhere else. This isn't the story as told on CBC or Global News or CTV or any of the news outlets that responded to our call to spread word of this incident to the public. This is the full story, at least from our perspective. Picture this. It's a hot Montreal summer evening. Two women, tired from a full, day, full day's work in the transgender nonprofit and university industrial complexes, sitting down to a beer in a hot Park X apartment, finally with full autonomy to tell a story from start to finish, and most importantly, in what we hope is its full context. Okay. So here we are. <laughs> talking about it again. Estelle and I look at each other. Um, a little tired, a lot sweaty, at least me, I had just come from dance class, but determined to tell the story the right way, the full way. The story of how our little party for trans women and our admirers was threatened with mass violence, how the story escalated into the media, and what we see is the full context for this violent incident, which goes beyond way more than just yeah. one Facebook on? troll. Do you want to do you want to flip the script? Yeah, I want to flip the script. Should we start talking about the context first? Sure. And then talk about the... Welcome to another edition of Transistor Radio on CKUT 90.3 FM, Montreal's only, and therefore best, trans talk show. I'm your host, Eve Parker-Finley. Today's episode is sponsored by the letter T, as in truth as in telling, as in taking what we need. (laughs) For the remainder of this episode, you'll hear Estelle and I discuss our recent brush with alt-right violence, and what we see not as an isolated incident, but as an iteration of transphobic violence in the context of rising right-wing violence and its connections to gentrification, right-wing political leaders and rhetoric, and much more. Apologies in advance for the quality of this recording. Yes, it was done on an iPhone. I am a millennial. Sue me. On a lighter and perhaps more radical note though, to set the scene even further, picture this iPhone perched atop a new edition of The Dilemmas of Lenin, Terrorism, War, Empire, Love, and Revolution by Tarek Ali, while Estelle and I lounge on a pink fluffy chair and a leopard print sofa, because that's where we had our conversation. Just a quick note that our conversation does include a few curse words, um, because as we put it, this is fucked. Okay, now here's that conversation. Yeah, I guess like, yeah. I mean, I think it's cool to do this because we've, we've done five or so media pieces. And, you know, in the, the first one we strategized about what we wanted to say and then kept sort of trying to say that and it kept not making it in (laughs) oh this could be the lost interview exactly so this will be yeah we can just we can just think of this as a yeah the the interview that happened many times but never got aired totally yeah i mean there's footage of us on five different news Mm -hmm. station computers Mm -hmm. with us saying this but it's also interesting that it just never made it in. So what happened? So, what? when was it now? Two weeks ago? Yeah. 
two weeks ago, we I remember I was sitting at home and I got a notification that someone had commented on a Trans Amour post. And um, from the name, I thought it was like a guy. So I was like, oh, sweet, you know, because we've had such trouble getting men to come to the event. Um, I went to it and was like, oh my God, this loser. And he... I can't remember what his first comment was, it doesn't really matter, but I think his main points were like, you're all mentally ill, you're all crazy, you're all human trash, and then a few of us like piped in with like, very smart, witty comments, I would say, including like, I remember I said, you're just jealous you didn't get an invite, and then, and then the big scary post happened where he was like, you know next time you can invite me and next time I'll bring a friend and then post the link to the Orlando shooting. For reference, in case uh, you aren't aware of the specific incident, uh, the Pulse Orlando shooting was an incident of mass violence where someone killed nearly 50 LGBT people at a gay nightclub in Orlando, Florida in 2016 and injured dozens others. So yeah, it was scary. And then it like went on a little bit more. But that was so freaky. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, yeah, like for me when I first saw it, because I think I may have seen it before you actually. Uh-huh. And I think the first thing that he actually said, his name was, well, on Facebook, his, the name he was using was Jay. Jay Littell. Jay Littell. And so I went and checked it. But the thing that he actually said was he said um, something to the effect of like, oh my God, I can't believe there's actually um, like a meetup space for people who are mentally ill, you know? Oh, yeah. And then I just thought that was, like, I kind of just thought it was, like, it was obviously antagonistic. Yeah. And aggressive and, like, fucked. But I was just like, oh, my God, what a troll, you know? And I, yeah. I said some, like... T'es trash. Yeah, I just said he was totally, he was just complete trash. And I kind of, like, you know, I laughed about it a little bit, even mm-hmm. though, like, I it did affect me. And then what happened Same. was I went to sleep, and then... I had this thought in the night where I was like, oh my god, like, this guy who clearly is, um, transphobic as fuck, like, you know, um, knows about our party, and, um, knows when it's happening, you know, that kind of feeling, and I had, and I, I had this thought, I was like, what if, I wasn't necessarily thinking about him, but I was like, what if one time somebody just showed up, you know, to, like, to let out their sort of um, transphobic aggression upon us. And I had this moment of sort of, like, shock, but then I, I I literally just, like, put it out of my head, and I was like, no, it's just, like, a troll, you know? And then I went to sleep and kind of forgot about it, and then the next day I got a message from you being like, oh, my God, did you see this thing, and did you see how it escalated? And it actually did escalate to the point where he, like, was threatening to show up and referencing, like, this sort of mass, you know, murder. Yeah. Um, totally tragic, yeah. fucked up I, thing that happened in Orlando. Yeah. Um, I mean, so it actually, like, yeah. went to that point, you know? Like, so yeah. quickly. So quickly. Six comments. Five comments. Uh-huh. And then he was, like, yeah. Sort of, yeah, threatened to come with a gun. Mm-hmm. And, like, kill a bunch of us. Yeah. And, Yeah. But then even after you brought it up with me, like, I still was like, oh my god. Like, you know, it sort of confirmed that fear I had. Mm -hmm. But then I still, like, just pushed it down again. And I was like, 
whatever, it's just a troll totally. kind of thing, you know? And Same. I, like, I was... You were, like... I think you had expressed some sort of concern, and I was kind of, like... I took it seriously, but I, at the same time, I was, like, it's just the internet. Like, it's yeah, just yeah. trolls, you know? But then it wasn't, like... Because you had said something, and I think that's sort of... Like, it started to foster this, like, feeling of, like, responsibility and, and real fear, I guess, in me. But then... But then I talked to some of my friends, and I brought up to some of my friends, and I was like, we got this death threat, basically. And I talked to four of my friends, and they were all like, what the fuck? That's so scary. Mm -hmm. That is a full-on death threat. Like, you need to do something about this, like, immediately, you know? And then it was after that point, like, I feel like I needed to hear it, like, five times to be like, oh, my God, okay, I should need to just sort of really respect this feeling of, um, this feeling of fear, you know? Yeah, this is why I'm glad we're talking about it, just you and me, too, because I think we, like, we jumped pretty fast into, you know, action mode once we got to action mode. Um, but I had kind of the exact same experience that I, like, thought it, I just pawned it off as, like, a troll... And then sort of thought about it, and then I took screenshots and deleted it because I was like, this is a troll, no one needs to see this. And then some other people involved in the thread <clears throat> kind of challenged me to think about, like, you know, people need to know that this happened. And then also me in me talking to friends, they were like, um, this is really scary. This is, like, this is not just, like, someone being mean on the internet if it's definitely like an escalation um and yeah it like definitely has um I like really don't want it to affect me but it definitely does I like feel like I catch myself having little like daydream nightmares about it and like picturing really awful things um if this loser is, like, was serious or whatever. And then I go through this cycle of, like, I don't want this thing to, like, be taking up my mind space. But it's also really serious. But, like, fuck this guy. And then I get really angry about it. And then... And then really helpless about it, too. Because, like... Yeah. It's hard to tell what to do. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, too, like, I think that there was, <clears throat> when I ended up talking to, um, you know, four of my closest sort of friends about it, um, one thing that they brought up, which I think was really, um, which was really helpful, um, was they brought up that, like, we actually live in a place where, um, mm -hmm. you know, like, where, where instances of mass violence have happened and mass shootings have happened, like, there's a history of that in Quebec and in Montreal specifically, and I think that when you live in proximity, both, like, historically and, and geographically to those kinds of things, like, it, um, they become more real in mm -hmm. this way, you know, because, um, there's a history of it happening, like, it, you know, people lived through it or, or, like, um, saw it happening on the news, but then it also means that there's sort of, like, um, and I think this points to more of the the rise of like hate crimes, you know, like across 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 like Canada, but in, in North America and all over the place. Um, like there's this very um, quantifiable rise, right, in in um, alt right 
groups that are sort of <clears throat> spreading all kinds of messages um, and ideologies of, of, of hate, but more specifically like racism and transphobia, sexism. And so um, I think that their point being that like we live in a place where these kind of groups exist mm -hmm. <laughs> and these kind of ideologies like exist and they have been backed up by actions right like there there have been mass shootings here and, and there has been um you know there's one uh in quebec city the mosque shooting just a few oh, years shooting. ago so it's like and also like polytechnique and, and polytechnique exactly yeah. so there's this um there's this history of that happening here which makes it seem more um Like, it's not just a troll. Like, it's not just a lone troll, but, like, we're actually living in a time and place where um, these kinds of ideas, mm -hmm. um, both, like, hateful ideologies, but also this kind of call to um, to action, you mm -hmm. know, to, 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 like, violence towards, um, uh, like, minorities, essentially, um, is it's happening around us right so it's mm -hmm. not just like you can think about it as like yes this there's this one troll who was or this one person on the internet who was threatening us but uh he's not acting alone <laughs> you know yeah well it, that's also the weird thing of like i also one thought mechanism that allowed me to like feel more safe for a time was to be like oh this is and i would when i was telling the story to friends or my family or whatever i'd be like this is just some loser in a, in his mom's basement or something, like, figuratively or literally. But then I sort of, like, thought about that more, and I'm like, like, I mean, who, who... The, like, coverage of these, like, mass shootings in North America and the West and whatever are rife with, like, um, bias and, and weird tellings of the story, but that is kind of the profile of someone who would do it. You know what I mean? And to, like, say that, to use that as a as a reason to, like, not be scared of him doesn't actually make sense to me anymore. And then I get, yeah, more freaked out about it, too. But, and also just, like, I actually looked at his um, profile yesterday. I found his new one. And it's just one of these, like, wild alt-right Facebook profiles of, like, shitposting, like, memes and Pepe the Frog and... You know, like, it's wild. He's the archetype of, like, yeah. of the alt-right, for sure. Of, like, yeah. an alt-right um, bro, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you can also never tell if, like, we're also just living in such a time of, like, disinformation and whatever, and, and, and fake internet accounts that I definitely also went through this phase of, like, maybe this isn't a real person, but there's also kind of just no way to tell. And if it isn't a real person, then it's also just really bizarre and scary, too. But who would it be if it wasn't <laughs> a real person? Like, it's not a bot. No. You know? Like, it's somebody yeah. who's doing it, whether, like, they're fake accounts, clearly. But that's what also makes it seem, um, in a way... Like, that's what also makes it seem scarier. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. Because he's using the tactics that the alt-right has been developing, which is, like, um, you know, he's covering his tracks by making fake mm -hmm. accounts, mm -hmm. 
and he's seeking out clear like he sought us out clearly you know that was also a weird thing of like this happened two weeks ago but it was on a post from our event from june or whatever like on a post that was um a month or so older yeah well there's not many posts on the trans amore um group though yeah but then how like he really must have been searching for it yeah exactly yeah, because it was events. so old. Yeah, or like it was the last one. Yeah. So it was, he was clearly post, yeah. I mean, I think he found the page and he probably went to the page and scrolled down and found our last event. Mm-hmm. And he commented on that, you know, because there's not many posts on that page. So I think that's just what happened. Mm-hmm. But he did seek it out, of course, because you can't just stumble across something like that unless you've sought it out totally like facebook isn't going to recommend a group like that to you unless that's a group you have sought out and um you know there could be other things going on too i mean he could be i mean whatever we could speculate forever but Mm -hmm. you know he could be he could have some internalized transphobia because maybe he's trans or something you don't know but oh yeah um but anyways he did seek us out or not even be a man too yeah, it's true. It's possible. Yeah, but I mean, it's a fake account, so we have no idea. But yeah. that's also kind of what makes it scary, is the thing. Yeah. That it's like, he clearly knows what he's doing, and has covered his tracks. He's participated in the alt-right movement, because he's mm-hmm. sharing all these memes and stuff. So mm-hmm. he's connected on some level, mm-hmm. at least to like an online community mm-hmm. of, um, of, you know, extreme right um, movements. You know, so that's kind of like what makes it scarier in this sense, yeah. because he's, it, you know, it makes me feel like it is connected to this broader, you know, so, like kind of global rise of extreme right movements. Yeah. Like they are mobilizing and I think this is an effect of that. Totally. You know. So. And like people are, people are feeling more, those people are feeling more emboldened to do something about it, do something about their, like, views on the world. Yeah, and I mean, that's, like, if you want to... So one of the things that we... We did all these interviews, and basically, <laughs> when we when we decided to do the media interviews, maybe we can start talking about this a bit now, um, but we were wondering... So, like, once we decided we wanted to speak out about this event, like, basically, we went from being, like, um, okay, we should do something about this. Mm-hmm. And um, Brasserie Bobian had contacted us saying that they would be interested in filing a police report. So that was the first step, right? Yeah. Where we agreed to let them do that. But then we said, if we're going to file... Like to talk about that at some point. Too. Yeah, like we can talk about that. Thing. Yeah. Um, then we said, if we're going to agree to file a police report, well, we should tell everyone. We should mm-hmm. tell the community what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then we said, if we're going to tell the community what's happening, maybe what we can do is we can use this moment as an opportunity to speak to, like, the larger public, potentially, through media, Mm -hmm. and try to contextualize this event Mm -hmm. in this broader alt-right mobilization that's happening, and then also appeal to the public for, um, you know, to, like, sort of turn this kind of horrible event to our advantage a little bit and kind of appeal to the public to um to make donations mm-hmm. towards to taking what we need yeah and like no one's no one's i've no, I haven't heard anyone criticize us for 
wanting to do that, like wanting to use it as an opportunity to raise money for the group. But I could definitely see someone like saying that, that it was opportunist, but like, I don't know. And maybe that's why none of the news outlets agreed to say that in our interviews that we're looking for, that taking away needs donations. Um, but at the same time, like something that I'm really glad, I'm really glad that we did that because, um, people really responded to hearing that the incident happened. And then a lot of people in our community wanted to know what they could like do and to give people the option of like donating to the group, coming to the event, sharing the stuff, um, gave people a chance to like do something about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This seems like as good a time as any to point out that if you want to do something about this, you can send a donation of any amount to donation.twwn at gmail.com. Taking What We Need for the Uninitiated is a group that raises money and distributes it directly into the hands of low-income trans women across the island of Montreal. Again, that's donation.twwn at gmail.com. Okay. Back to the story. Maybe the first thing we can talk about is the police. Let's just do it chronologically. So yeah. let's start with the police report. Yeah. So Brasserie Bobian reached out to us. Um, and also, like, Brasserie Bobian, I think, has been such an amazing host for us. Like, Joanna and all the staff have been so sweet and supportive and always sharing our events on Facebook and, like, even, like, decorating the place, and... They truly love Trends and More. Like, <laughs> they, they truly it. love it. Yeah. They truly love it. And it's, it's really cool because it. it's... Um, it's also perfect in this other sense because when Trends and More started, right, like, the idea was... I mean, the original idea, it's changed a bit now, but the original idea was for us to try to make space for trans women who were not connected to the queer community. Yeah. And, of course, when when we speak about um, people outside the queer community, of course, like, there was emphasis put on trans women who were straight because mm-hmm. this is historically something that, like, the queer community has completely ignored, you totally. know? Um, and so that's where Trans Amour came from, right? This idea to, like, create this space for trans women and people who are into us um, who sort of fall outside the, the, the purviews of the queer community because... <laughs> There's really no space no. for trans women outside the queer community, like at all, at all, at all. <laughs> um, there used to be in Montreal. There's that. There's a place called City Bar. Yeah. Back in the day, when before the the village was completely gentrified, um, you know, Ontario, the Ontario Strip, like a, like you know, in the '90s, like, um, like all trans women were sex workers, like pretty much, you know, and <laughs> there was this vital strip in the village, the Ontario strip where girls were working and there was another bar called fun spot. There was some massage parlors and stuff, but there was kind of this community there, um, that was both public and in bars. Mm-hmm. Um, and since the village got gentrified and since heightened policing started happening in the village and since, um, Bill C-36 uh, came out, which cracked down heavily on public um, street-based sex work. Mm-hmm. So that whole community was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, City Bar closed down. The Ontario Strip, it still functions as like a sex worker stroll, but it's um, nothing compared to what it used to be. Mm-hmm. So anyways, there's very little space. Um, and and Brasserie Beaubien is like 
you know, like it's it's a straight bar. <laughs> you know, like it's been like it's it's there. It's been. Um, it has this unique model now where like there's the original owners and uh, the bar staff that work there that are like from the neighborhood and stuff but then there's um, there's our friends who book shows there and so there's kind of like this mix of of you know like yeah. indie I've played there yeah. queer <laughs> scene but then also like the the kind of um, the kind of uh, Quebecois sort of like you know older older men who play the slots yeah the older men who yeah, play those the regular slots vibe and so it's really cute that trends actually happens at that bar yeah um because it's you know it's kind of this like straight it's it's a mixed space it's a mixed, it's a mixed yeah, space it's totally but it's not an explicitly like gay or queer space mm-hmm. and it's like not in the village you know so it's that i find that to be pretty cool mm-hmm. and there's they they love us they do which They're is just so, so, sweet. <laughs> so cute yeah I think the environment works really well for the event too because yeah. it's it is like a dive bar, yeah. but uh, and I think a lot of the people who come, the girls and the guys and everyone else like who aren't in queer community, need that sort of like chill. Not it's not a cool party. Transmore is not a cool party, and no. I love that about it's I love that cool about party. the event. Uh, it's not cool kids. It's extremely mixed. We have like people who are in their fifties all the way to their twenties or even in eighteen year olds or whatever. Yeah. Um from like all walks of life. People come in from the suburbs to go. People used to drive in from Ottawa to come. We had someone flying from Calgary to come. Okay, you said I it's saw that real. and I was like, is that it's real? real? Yeah, it's real. There's a guy from <laughs> the T Girl Forums message board. Who has come twice from Calgary. What? Yeah. He must be. And he also promotes it all the time on T-Girl forums. And every time that I make a post on the forums saying the party's coming up, he always comments and he's like, hey guys, we really got to show up for this. Like, the more we show up for this, like, the more girls are going to come. Like, the more effort they're going to put into it, the better it's going to get. So, like, let's get, you know, like, it's this, he really (laughs) loves the party. That's so cute. Um, people have come from Toronto and yeah. Quebec City yeah. and in the countries like yeah so it's it's cute but it's not a queer it's um, not a queer party it's not a queer party but some queer people do come Which is but queer. it's not that vibe at all yeah and the thing about sorry we're getting so off track here, like, <laughs> the thing about the 20th too like the party that's coming up because mm-hmm. it's gotten a bunch of traction but I think it's important for people to know that this is not a queer event um Queers are so welcome, but, like, walking into that space, a lot of queers, you know, have a certain um, view of, like, how things should function and, like, what things are allowed and not allowed, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, And, like, what things are sort of, like, PC and not PC. Yeah. And the thing about this party is, like, it is not of that world, you know? Totally. And I think that um, people... And me too. I think that like we need to check some things at the door when we go into that space mm-hmm. because um, you know we don't know what's going to happen when we're inside, and a lot of people who show up are not are not from the queer community. Like don't know the sort of um, don't necessarily know the you know like all the language stuff and all you know what I mean. Like yeah. Um, so I yeah. think people need to have a bit of a like um, openness. Openness. And, you know, we're, like, in the process of creating this space, um, you know, and, th- and there can be conflicts and there can be 
dialogue about stuff and there mm-hmm. can be disagreements but like you know um it's truly a mixed space and i think that needs yeah. to be recognized yeah totally i remember this is a tangent but i love i love this tangent <laughs> but uh i remember there being an interesting discussion on one of the facebook pages for the event like a year or so ago and someone being like um whatever it doesn't it doesn't really matter what the person said but it was something to the effect of like i hope there's not a bunch of like creepy old men there oh yeah yeah um and it's so you know and like everyone deserves to feel safe in the thing that we're creating and i think that's totally fine but i also you know this party is also for those guys and also there's like lots of older trans women that come to this event too yeah like women in their fifties and forties and whatever and yeah. and this there's no other there's no other space for those people to meet and there's like as much as like homophobia and transphobia and queerphobia are definitely a thing in the world there are other spaces for queer people to meet and be in cool community with each other yeah I mean it's not just that too like I feel like it's also this this dynamic that happens all over the place, but where, like, youth is prioritized, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, one thing that I'm guilty of, and I think a lot of queer um, people are guilty of as well, is, like, we, we can, we tend to forget, or we tend to, like, yeah, we tend to think that, like, you know, um, like, we are the only thing that matters, you know? Yeah. But, like, the fact that there's, like, um, elders, you know, and, coming to this party is truly like a an honor and a blessing you know yeah, like totally and that's how it it's should beautiful. be treated yeah. like i think that we're it's such a it's such an amazing um thing and i don't think like i'm trying yeah i'm not trying to be like patronizing here but just to say yeah. that like it's it's truly i'm just kind of uh i'm so humbled by the party is all i mean yeah to say. i mean we say all these like things as very as two very like active members in the queer scene in queer Montreal Mm -hmm. you know it's not like we're we're outsiders to this thing Mm -mm. um back to the police report Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. so uh yeah Brasserie asked if if they were they said that their Brasserie said they were interested in filing a police report about the incident and we talked about that for a bit um, I think my initial hesitation was sort of thinking, like, what is the point? Um, what does that potentially lead to? And I think after talking with the bar and talking between us, we decided to go along with it. And I'm, like, I'm like happy we did in a way, for a reason I'll talk about in a second. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel sort of exact like exactly what's what I why I was worried about it that that reason is happening like nothing nothing is happening from that um I have reached out to like the bar was the one that filed the police report I emailed the detective to be like why haven't you talked to me yet they literally haven't talked to any of us about it yet the police not the not the bar and you know I think from that interaction between the staff and the police wasn't great. And I know, I think there is something to be said about, like, you know, it. maybe it's... A, this is a new territory for, like, 
police ter- police forces to, like, figure out what they're supposed to do about, like, online death threats, because I'm sure there's a lot. But at the same time, this is such a, like, specific threat against a marginalized community, and it is so real and scary and targeted and happening around a specific person in an event that they do have... They could do something about it, but I also just don't think... I think from the beginning we were like, whatever happens from that process, that's not going to be the thing that we need to do. Like, we need to do something else about it. Um, Which is why we've been talking about it so much and reaching out to the media and stuff. Um, But yeah, I guess just, like, remains to be seen about if anything happens with that process. (laughs) Yeah. Or if it really... It's true. I, yeah. The cool the one cool thing that I will say about that the it's weird how all these like legitimacy things interlock with each other, but it was sort of legitimizing to the media to be able to say that we did it, that we filed. And also I loved this aspect that every time we did a media interview, the media would call the police to be like, What are you doing about this report? And it's very interesting to see over the course of our like five interviews or whatever, the first couple they didn't comment at all or they just said something like we take all threats seriously and then by the end they said they were responding to the news saying there's an investigation oh okay i didn't even know that i did or like i didn't register that yeah Yeah. by the cbc interview yes sunday what day is today by sunday (laughs) um they they had said there's there's an active investigation Okay. okay which but then brings me to the point of like they still haven't talked to me or us about it so, yeah, who knows? The thing for me is like I didn't trust what they were the police were going to do. Um, I just think that I just saw it as sort of like a strategy to scare this person off. Yeah, totally. um, to be like, um, if he was actually planning on doing something, that the that actually like filing a police report that like maybe there was a chance that the police would actually find out his identity and contact him yeah. and that would sc- scare him off totally. or that he would end up seeing some of the um, media reports that were happening and finding out that way that there was an investigation underway and that that, that would scare him off mm-hmm. so that was sort of the angle for me that was the the goal of the police yeah. filing the police report <laughs> yeah totally so then after that, I guess what we did, so we decided to file the police report, and then after that, we were like, okay, so now, since um, we're going to let Brasser go ahead and file a police report, we might as well tell everyone, because we don't want people to, we don't want people to show up to the next party not knowing not that there was knowing. an actual threat, because, like, yeah. if something does happen, it would be so horrendous. So then we were like, okay, we're going to make a statement, and so we wrote up a statement, and I think for me it was important to just, like, contextualize yeah. um, this statement and say, like, yes, there was this, um, there was a threat that happened against this party. Um, and then to sort of speak to, like, what Transamora is and why we thought it was important, you know? Like, so being, like, a threat happened and that's sort of, that's, like, horrible on its own. But then also... Um, I had a feeling that it would be sort of taken semi-seriously within the queer community. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it would be a good moment to sort of contextualize the, like, where the party comes from. Because I think there has been a, 
a lot of misconceptions about what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was the approach with the statement. So we wrote this statement basically saying, um, you know, this online threat happened against this party. Um, it scared us. And, and then we talked about Transamore and what it is. And like, so we, we just talked about basically like we started this event for trans women who exist outside the queer community because there's no space for it. Um, and, um, you know, that it's like, it is a really important, it has become over the course of two years, like a really important community space. And at the same time, it's been really hard to organize because there's all these factors sort of working (laughs) against it, you know, because trans women have become so dispersed ever since, um, you know, like the, all this gentrification in the village and policing and online and online, but then also, um, uh, yeah, since everything has moved online, there's a lot less emphasis on public, um, Mm -hmm. on public space. And it's really important to be in public. Yeah. Um, it's really important to live our lives in public and, um, not to force anyone to, of course, but I think that in many ways, like social life is life, like connecting with other people um, existing in public, like, that is a huge, huge part of being a human, and this threat was essentially s- saying that, like, we shouldn't have that right to exist in public, Yeah. Um, and we're already, like, our existence in public is already very fraught, um, and for certain, certain um, trans women, um, like, trans women of color and, and migrants and sex workers are already, like, they're, are, like, social lives are already so under um threat all the time you know Mm -hmm. that like this one small gain that this one small space that we had managed to to create you know and we were you know the party has been building for two years and we are we're just starting to get traction now Mm -hmm. and so this threat really pissed us off because it was like we've been doing all this work we've been fighting um we've been fighting trans misogyny you know we've been fighting um fragile masculinity (laughs) we've been fighting like queer suspicion um we've been fighting you know like the effects of gentrification and 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 dispersal and so it was really really upsetting that this threat happened and was trying to take away this one one thing that we had managed to build you know yeah yeah, I mean, just picking up on something you said, too, and taking it into another tangent, um, I also had this moment of, like, I think it's really great that we've gotten so much attention about this, because it's such a real problem, but I don't know if you've also experienced this, like, weird, well, I've experienced this strange, it's not this strange sort of guilt almost that that we're getting so much attention about an experience that so many people in our communities experience all the time um and I think that's for a bunch of reasons I think we're really good at escalating things into the media and like we have a bunch of social capital to draw on to like spread the word and whatnot and overall, I think it's, like, been a good and positive thing to sort of stand our ground around this thing. Um, but there is sort of this weird... This weird dynamic of, like, what what kind of story gets attention. 
And that's something we tried to talk about in all of our interviews. We, we, I remember in the Global News interview, we were, I remember explicitly saying, this is not a story about one transphobic incident. This is like an iteration of, of a reality that's happening all around us all the time. Um, and like that needs to be the conversation. They cut that part out. <laughs> they did cut that part out. I mean, the reason the media picked up on it is because they can sensationalize um, individual stories, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's true, like, I mean, the other reason... There's two reasons, I think. It's because, yes, it did get a lot... It got shared a lot. The status got shared a lot. Um, but also, they, they saw that they could make it into an individual story. And we yeah. had this plan to not let that happen, but yeah. they thwarted us. <laughs> So, yeah. Um, Yeah. But it is... I mean, that's just, like, not the goal, really, of the media. Like, they clearly don't care. Yeah. They don't care about... um, They don't care about broadening the um, analysis. Yeah. What they care about is picking up stories that they think will get attention so they can make more money. And this yeah. this incident got enough traction on Facebook to attract them to it. Yeah. There's definitely something about the structure of like a 30-minute news program. And I like I even on either side of our CBC news segment was like, you know, four-year-old boy in the suburbs drowned in a pool, like this person hits by a car or whatever and then are like this transphobic incident to this thing Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I'm just I guess I'm just not really yeah just more interested in hearing an analysis of that situation more than just like the facts of the individual story yeah I mean I think the like the thing the The thing that, for me, the thing that justifies the media, for us going into the media, was the fact that, um, well, I do think, like, there needs to be, I do think it is worthwhile to draw attention to, um, violence that happens against trans women specifically, because it is, that is routine, like, it is a routine violence that happens all the time, um, but also, like, taking what we need as a redistribution project, you know? So, um, like, all the money that taking what we need collects goes into the hands of low-income trans women who, you know, um, who are disproportionately not part of the queer community, mm-hmm. you know, um, and who are facing any number of, like, financial, um, serious financial challenges, like, whether that's, you know, legal... Um, like legal issues, um, immigration issues, housing issues, you know what I mean? So like that's where all the money goes. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's um, I see it as a positive because we ended up raising a lot of money from this media coverage mm-hmm. and that money is, isn't you know, it's not going to us, it's going it's going back to this broader um, community of trans women who really need it. So mm-hmm. 
I feel like another thing that got cut from the crop coverage, and I think we said it each time we did an interview, was again going back to this point of like, um, we're existing in this really strange, uh, it feels like we're, no, we are existing in this strange wave of, of, um, a violent alt-right being emboldened to, to threaten and to action and to violence. Uh, individually and in groups and in networks and things um, but that that sort of rise is totally emboldened by um, I mean by so many things but it's maybe too easy to point to to it but it's still real that it's emboldened by certain leaders and like certain things like obviously 45 to the south but even people like Doug Ford and even people like Francois Legault mm-hmm. and we also talked in our interview about like the connection between the rise in violence and hate crimes against Muslim women in particular in Bill 21 um and like the hate crime statistics from 2017 that showed that religious minorities people who are Muslim and Jewish LGBT people and people of color were the were ones experiencing a, a drastic rise in hate crimes in Canada mm-hmm. uh well, yeah, that's the thing. So, um, uh, in twenty seventeen, which was the last year that the data was collected for hate crimes in Canada, um, Stats Can Statistics Canada found that hate crimes in twenty seventeen had gone up by forty seven percent, which is an enormous amount. Yeah, <laughs> and that year like coincides with a lot of things, um, but most notably. Um, like the, uh, yeah, like the come to power of, um, of these right wing, like you have Trump in the US, of course, but then you have, um, the CAC in Quebec and, um, Doug Ford was more recently, but you have this sort of tide of, of right wing governments coming into power, um, that directly correlates with the rise in hate crimes, you know? Yeah. And in Quebec, there's this group called... There's this group... There's this extreme white supremacist group called La Meute, um, who said they were directly influenced by and mm-hmm. inspired by François Legault yeah. to form, you know? So, like, there's a direct connection there. Yeah. Um, and even just, just a couple of weeks ago, François Legault, um, he was confronted... Uh, there has been increased reports of oh, violence yeah. against Muslim women since the passing of Bill 21, and he was um, confronted about that in the media, mm-hmm. and he just completely denied it. He said he doesn't think that's actually happening, even though the reports are coming yeah. in confirming that that's happening, you know? Yeah. And so... That was the biz- most bizarre Legault, Trump, Doug Ford, you know, like... Um, Jason Kenney. Jason Kenney. They're all encouraging this... Yeah, this rise. Yeah, um, and they're complicit. They're completely complicit in it. Yeah, because um, they know that they're. They know that it's part of their constituency. They they are the people that vote for them, and they're also people who don't necessarily usually vote at all. So they actually they know that these they know that these sentiments exist in our society, and then they, and then they, they're very tactful about like appeasing them and sending them little messages that like you know. We're, we agree with some of the things that you all are saying. And then they get voted in, and then they do these things that just further feed the, the frenzy. Mm-hmm. And it's so irresponsible, and it's so... 
it's so scary. Yeah. And everyone needs to ask, like, what they're, what they're going to do about that. And so I think the point we were trying to say is that, like, this transphobic attack, this transphobic threat against us was part of this broader um, mobilization mm-hmm. of alt-right movements that is taking place all over the place. But it isn't just affecting um, trans women or LGBT people. It's affecting... Um, all kinds of people across society, but specifically people of color and and migrants. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we sort of wanted to denounce that. We wanted to say we were taking a stand against that. We recognized that like there's this broader alt right m- mobilization happening, and we wanted to like take a stand against it. You know. Um, but I think at the same time, like I think it's I think it is really important to to speak about um like the current far-right governments we have in place but i think also like yeah we should recognize that like when liberals are in power the same systems um still exist but they mm-hmm. just don't play out in the same way totally like i think that when there's far right when there's like um yeah far right uh leaders in place i think that they encourage the this sort of this rise of um non-governmental hate groups to form but i think when when like the liberals are in power for example like there's still the police doing that work you know who are like legally sanctioned to do that same kind of um racist um basically like hate work you know like the police are there you have the canadian border services you know what i mean like enacting like similar kinds of violence against people Mm -hmm. but they're just sanctioned to do it so i think like i feel like the difference between liberal governments and when you have right governments in place is like with with liberal governments like all that work is really being done by police all that hate like all this hateful shit is being done by police and and border service agents um but when far right governments come to power you have this like massive rise of non-governmental um bodies i guess Mm -hmm. stepping in to like do even more hateful Mm -hmm. shit and so it's just it's just like they're both fucked up but i think the situation we're in right now is just extra dire because there's all these extra um people like participating in in the um systemic sort of oppression that's happening does that make sense (laughs) (laughs) yes I don't know. That's just what I was thinking about today. Like, yeah, I just totally. think that, like, we really need a system change, you know? Like, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. At the base of it. System change, not climate change. Mm-hmm. Totally. <clears throat> there you have it. That's the story. If you want to help out and fight back against transphobia, we hope you consider donating to Taking What We Need to support low-income trans women at donation.twwn at gmail.com. That's donation.twwn at gmail.com. And also, we hope you come to our next Trans and More party at Brasserie Bobian on July 20th. It'll be a blast. There'll be dancing, people to meet, DJs, amazing performances, and most importantly, we'll be standing our ground because threat or not, we're not going anywhere. That's it for us at Transistor Radio on CKUT 90.3 FM. Thanks for listening, and we hope you stay tuned to CKUT all day, every day. Support Community Radio. 
I'm your host, Eve Parker Finley, and this episode featured a recording of myself and Estelle. Here's a song by yours truly, Lonely Boa, to take us out. Until next month, love, resistance, and God bless trans power. Yeah.